guys. What's up? Hey. Welcome to this week's episode of the 13th Floor. I am Cece. I'm Alex. I'm Jane. Oh, wait. Let's do that one again. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait. Who do you think you are, James? I don't know. Sorry. I've been been Leo all day. Oh, 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 okay. okay. I forgot you have an alter ego. James is too good for us. He's got to be somebody else. So let's do it again because it's not like everybody who listens doesn't know who we are. Um, hey guys, I'm Cece. I'm Leo. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Alex is. Re- oh gosh, it's you know what? Let's just move on, you guys. <laughs> oh, come on, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, all right. We have to. We have to appease James's OCD. Yeah. All right, you're right. We do. Okay. I'm Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. And here we are. <laughs> we so got weird. it right. James, what are we talking about today? We're talking about hoaxes. Not to be confused with horcruxes. No, no. Definitely do not confuse these with horcruxes. Those are a terrible thing. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I guess hoaxes can be too. But anyways, um, yeah, we're talking about hoaxes. How have you guys been? It has literally been weeks since we recorded our last episode. Yeah. Is it? I think it has been. Yeah. It's weird. Yesterday. Yeah. Um, October's over. So it's a pretty sad time over here. <laughs> well, I guess, you know what? I've just got to say happy late birthday to Alex because you celebrated your birthday two days ago. Uh, yes. As of the release of this episode, that was two days ago. You're, you're <laughs> another year older. In the future. Yeah. I'm, I'm another year older. A wiser. Mm, are you? And just a little more tired. Very tired. <laughs> Very tired. Especially now that, was it Daylight Savings is coming to an end? No. no. Yeah, <laughs> it's not till Sunday. Yeah, that, that, that's, the next, that's the Sunday after. I know. That's why I yes. said it's coming to an end. Yes. I didn't say it's come to an end. The worst time of the year is upon us. Yeah. Let's be honest, though. It's basically already here because it gets dark at 6 no, o'clock. No, it's not the same. You know who I bet hates it more than anybody? The Sandman. Because it's literally like, mm. oh, man, I got to put people to sleep uh, even faster. Yeah. yeah. It's got to put in overtime now. Yeah. Well, I've been falling asleep at like 8 o'clock every night. It's ridiculous. Mm. But anyways, James, any exciting spider news? Uh, not really. I had to deal with a centipede earlier. That was really weird. I had a what? centipede on my ceiling. And uh, it pushed its face against the ceiling, had its legs dangling free. And curled up, and I'm going to use air quotes here, died. So I thought, oh, that's uh, that's weird. Better get this dead thing down because it's going to keep spooking me every time I, I walk across the threshold here. So I get a paintbrush <laughs> that I normally use to wrangle my spiders, and I tap it, and it comes to life immediately. And so, uh. yeah, I don't know what the deal was. I don't know what it was doing. I don't know if it was trying to molt, but... Now it's under my safe. That's horrifying. And now James no longer feels safe. Yeah. You put it there? Yeah, I gave it water, and then I put it under the safe. <laughs> like, leave me alone. Oh my. I don't want to see you again. James, you're, you're going to you know wake up, so- and it's going to be on your pillow. Yeah, probably. <sighs> it's going to be like, thank you for giving me James, that James, what are you going to do after it's killed all your spiders? Oh, uh, don't say that. Don't even say that. <laughs> Oh, no. You left the possibility open mm. now that that thing is out and about. Yeah, why don't yeah. you catch it and put it outside where it belongs? Well, it's a house centipede, which is the creepiest centipede, by the way. 
Did you know that a long time ago there weren't houses for that thing to live in? They don't make it outside. (laughs) (laughs) Alex makes a good point. House centipedes are the one critter that, like, if I see them... Yeah, they they you're about to be two dimensional. Yeah, they about to be two dimensional. Okay, (laughs) so they scare you. Yes, and you're letting it live freely under your safe. Also, yes, I wouldn't feel safe. Wouldn't feel safe, but also, why are you telling everybody that you have a safe on here, James? That's a good point. It's not really (laughs) a safe. It's just a big steel rectangle. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's a filing cabinet. There we go. It's, it's a, a filing cabinet. It's a filing cabinet. Okay. Where I keep my Fabergé eggs. Yes. <laughs> Long lost yes. Fabergé eggs. Okay. Well, you know what? I think it's it's enough. That's enough talking about house centipedes, James. Okay. And uh, filing cabinets. How about we move on to some hearty hellos? Okay. Right. Okay. Let's do it. You guys, today we are saying hello to everybody in Victoria in Australia. Oh, hello, cool. Victorians. Hello. Still living in the past. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, we're also going to say hello to everybody in France, because we have not given France a proper shout-out in quite some time, but you guys are listening like crazy right now, so thank Idea. you, thank you, thank you. Au revoir. I and don't know what that means. <laughs> that means goodbye. Uh-oh. Don't, don't. Well, no, maybe bonjour. listen to the, yeah, bonjour. Yeah, there oh we go. <laughs> Je m'appelle Alex. Uh, <laughs> that's all I remember. We don't. Um, we just don't have the the French touch. I'm sorry, all of our French listeners. And then here in the states, we're going to say hello to everybody in Colorado. Ooh! I wish I could go to Colorado right now. I think it's neat that their uh, flag has a C on it for Colorado. Does it really? <laughs> I don't know if it actually is supposed to represent Colorado, but yeah. Uh, how know. else would you know what letter the state starts? Yeah, it's with? like it's like a two blue exactly. stripes and then a white stripe in the middle and then a a yellow disc that I'm assuming is a sun and then a red C wrapped around the yellow disc. I hmm. like it. I like hmm. it. It can also stand for CC or cummerbund. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys, wherever you're listening, hello, 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 and thank you so much for tuning in. Um, we haven't done this in a while because it always makes me feel uncomfortable. But you guys. I'm going to ask you, if you like this podcast, I hope that you will go on to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review if you feel so inclined, because we don't know what it does, but it does something, and it's supposed to help us grow. Something, something algorithm. Yeah, Al, yeah, yeah, what James said. And so, you know, it only takes like five seconds to do, and it really does help us out, so. Yeah. That's that's my my November request. That's what please. I would be so thankful for. Yeah, ahead of panhandling. Yeah, please <laughs> and thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, and then our Patreon. I don't remember what our Patreon's about this week. So you guys are in for a surprise because we recorded a while ago, and I just I just don't know. Well, James, why don't you listen real quick? Now that we've gotten our uh, our promotions out of the way. Oh, Cece, do not hold. I have boiling water in my hand. <laughs> oh, okay. No, listen, listen, dear listener. Hmm. A little ASMR for you. I was about to say, I was like, we need to get a little. James ASMR. got me a nice little teapot. Mm. I always want to call it a kettle. Mm. And I've used it every day since, yeah, multiple times. Happy birthday. And yeah, thank you, James. It's been a wonderful gift. And you know what has surprised me the most about it? What? Yeah. I was like, why do people drink out of these stupid little cups? Uh, I get it now. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, once the, you go little cup, the tea cup, cools off. So, well, 
First off, it's classy as hell, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just call it what it is. All right. I feel way more sophisticated than I have ever felt in my life. But the the speed that it cools off is just so much faster. Yeah. That I can just have little tiny things of tea. Now, I got ready to sip this, and I realized my fingers are burning holding this cup. Yeah. It's not ready yet. Yeah. It's just a little hot, but it's cooling off. You might get to hear me sip a little bit. <laughs> Dear listener, and just know, James, that if you if that annoys you, it's James's fault. If you like it, it's also James's fault. Mm. Yes, James, your gift was a hit. In Good case, deal. in case you haven't Com- you want to smell this delicious chocolate tea I made. It does smell just like chocolate. That is mm. bizarre. My dad got me that tea from France. It expired two years ago, and Alice <laughs> is still. Still going strong on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good deal, oh, James. Wow. What does tea do when it expires? It just gets less effective. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming certain compounds break down, but it's probably not a big deal. It's not a big deal. I'll be the first one to find out. Yeah. yeah. Well, you if know, the what? leaves ain't moldy. You're good. Yeah. It's not moldy. Unless it's black mold, then I just won't be able to tell. <laughs> Alex, this. I mean, you survived eating a like a year long expired. <laughs> yogurt yogurt tricks oh yeah tricks tricks it probably yogurt. had enough yeah we've mentioned this on the podcast before but it probably had enough preservatives in it for for me to be <laughs> fine can you guys just just picture me for a second going and looking in alex's fridge he sits on the couch and eats a tricks yogurt i look at the tricks yogurt and it expired a year ago mm. wow. and i'm sitting here i'm not married to alex yet but i should have been questioning some things <laughs> <laughs> i didn't even know they still no. made tricks yogurt wow well i guess they don't they don't they don't <laughs> wait wait they don't make it anymore no they don't i don't believe either one of you i hope you're both wrong about this because i'm gonna be very upset and i will not be able to do the episode tonight. i bought mm. alex some Pudding the other day. It's the first time you've had pudding in a long time. When's the last time you had pudding, James? It's been a while. Probably since I had my wisdom teeth out. Oh, wow. See, now I've got a, a good Christmas gift for James, you guys. If you guys <laughs> want to send James anything at all, he's a big pudding fan. <laughs> oh, my, <laughs> my gosh. Um, okay, okay. Enough of that. James, what's our icebreaker? Uh, I can buy... I'm sorry, guys. I can buy a giant carton of Trix yogurt right now off For Amazon. $68. You yeah. are not spending Which tells $68. me that they don't make it, and this is probably moldy, but as someone who's had expired Trix yogurt, <laughs> still good. He's willing to take the risk. <laughs> oh, Anyways. Oh, oh! Oh, Trix yogurt is making a 2021 comeback. Oh, there we oh. go. Goodness. All right. Enough of Trix yogurt. James, what is our icebreaker? Well, since we're covering hoaxes today, I thought, you know, the the mentality of hoaxes, it starts on the playground. It starts when you're a little kid. You know, there's always that one kid whose uncle works at Nintendo or whatever. And so Uh it got me thinking, what's a very obvious as an adult lie you heard probably from a child, but it doesn't have to be from a child, as a kid that, you know, it just kind of sticks out in your mind. That you believe, of course. I can't remember anything from when I was really little, Mm. but I, wait, no, was it? Was it last Um, week or was it? No, there was something that went around about Marilyn. Marilyn Oh my God, that's a good one. I I can't believe I forgot about that. (laughs) I don't want to mention it because it's so disgusting. that one. Yeah, if you guys know what it is. Which, by the way, that's been said about a number of, of spooky Singers, they 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 were saying the same thing about Alice Cooper and 
and a bunch of pretty much if you were an effeminate looking or or gothic singer that got told about you david bowie etc yeah the old rib removal which by the way not possible you can't remove a rib you will die <laughs> <laughs> so see james just debunked that yep hoax well as expected i don't remember a whole lot but when you all said the Marilyn Manson thing, mm-hmm. that sent me spiraling. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, wow, I completely forgot about that rumor. That was something that no child that age should have heard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. Uh, but uh, I don't have one off the top of my head. I'm sorry to disappoint our listeners yeah. and both of you. James, what's yours? Um, well, mine, I've, I've got two now because of the Marilyn Manson thing that got mentioned because I forgot all about this one. But uh, the one I was going to previously mention, though, was Mortal Kombat was very controversial in the 90s, the whole series. And anytime they would announce a new installment, Rumor Mill at the playground was always just insane nonsense. Like, this time around, there's, there, there's going to be a code you hold up and then down. And then all the characters are naked. And then some of the other ones, like, there's going to be, like, a celebrity who's going to be in this one, like, a real regular celebrity. And their fatality is, uh, and then just something really, like, obscene and insane. And you're like, no, no. But, of course, as a kid, it's like, oh, my God, really? But, uh, and then another one, yeah. because of you mentioning Marilyn Manson, this one, I can't believe I feel for. I was, I, I don't know how old I was. But I was a very gullible child anyway. Um because again, I, I never, I didn't lie as a kid. So, like, I just assumed nobody else did either. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I remember one kid was like, Do you hear? And this is perfect because uh, Halloween was just a week ago. But this one kid, he was, Do you hear about Marilyn Manson at Halloween this year? It's like, No. It's like, At his concert, he's either going to kill one of his fans on stage or himself. And I was like, What? What? what the police will arrest him. They're like, They're too scared of him. <laughs> <laughs> what a crazy <laughs> Amazing. Oh, wow. It's fun being a kid. I wonder what kind of things. I'm, I remember the nudity in video games cheat codes. Oh, yeah. Everywhere. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. I, you guys played very different games than me. Cause I, well, no. Is this any game? Like, yeah. there's like, like Crash Bandicoot's Naked? Laura Croft. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, there's supposedly a cheat code. And you're like, oh. Yeah, no. All yeah. I played Those was polygons. Like, <laughs> all I played was Crash Bandicoot and Banjo Kazooie. Yeah. Were there any cheat codes for that? I mean, I'm sure there Banjo's- was plenty of rumors about Banjo Kazooie. <laughs> Guarantee you. Well, well Kazooie was naked already. What was it? Yeah. What, what was his little laugh sound like, Alex? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Um, I think you guys, it's time to talk about hoaxes. Yeah, we made it 16 minutes into the episode and <laughs> we're here. We're here. James, you're starting us off today, but before we get started, I just want to ask you just a general question. Sure. How typically do hoaxes kind of become a thing? Sure. Um, largely just because people are are trusting of other people. That's the big thing. And And if you don't have a means of testing the veracity of something and pre-internet boy you mean you really couldn't you know the library was the only thing you had and if it wasn't in the library you didn't know for sure and so if you heard something and it sounded right then you were inclined to believe it and more so if you saw some sort of evidence and with photoshop and photo editing and things like that you can fake a lot now 
You can fake a lot of things. And so people see evidence for something, but it's not real evidence. And uh, I can't remember who said this, but, you know, it's so much harder to convince somebody that they've been fooled than it is to fool them. So, you know, that too, the, just the natural ego backlash that people have when, when you know, it's implied that they've been conned, uh, you know, it, it perpetuates itself for that reason. Interesting. Dang. Yeah, I think that now with like deep fakes and, and oh, yeah. Photoshop and you can make anything nowadays and it's horrifying. Yeah. You really stop to think about it. But James... What famous hoax are you talking about today? I'm talking about three. One that I fell for. So little little hint there. Ooh. Yeah, and he still believes it. Still believes it. Yeah, <laughs> got one. No, no, just kidding. But uh, <laughs> but first, uh, since we haven't referenced James Randi in forever, I figured, what about Project Alpha? So Project Alpha is really interesting because it's a hoax with an altruistic reason behind it. And that's not to say that I agree with everything that James Randi says and does. In fact, there's a lot of things that I think are questionable, but this is one of those in instances that's really, really fun. So this is what happened. Late 70s, James Randi, we've talked about him a million times. He's a magician, stage magician, who uh, became a well-known skeptic who's debunked a lot of frauds over the years. Yes. Well, he decided that he was going to create um, a... Means of testing paranormal phenomena. So this is what he did, though. This is this is the original thing. So there was there was a uh, lab for psychical research, and he contacted them and said, you know, I've got some suggestions for how to conduct tests on paranormal phenomena. And wouldn't you know it? Same time, two teen boys, Steve Shaw, uh, later known as Banachek, and Mike Edwards. Banachek is, by the way, a, an English mentalist who's claimed to be a thought reader. Uh, they independently contacted them and volunteered as subjects, okay? So this all runs from 79 to 82. And they proved beyond a reasonable doubt that they had paranormal abilities, so much so that they were actually distinguished from the other subjects of the experiment. So the lab actually started leaking reports of, of these amazing abilities that they had. So Randy hears about this, and he's like, hmm, let's, you know, change the protocols on, on how this works. So once he did, once he changed the rules, uh, bear in mind, he's the one who established those rules, right? Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, their, their ability to do these amazing things stopped being observable. So oh. 83 rolls around, he holds a press conference and he exposes the deception, which turns out the whole thing, like his, his means of testing and whatnot, it's called Project Alpha, and the whole point was to prove that a lot of these organizations who are proving the existence of paranormal phenomena, are they're, they're either deliberately frauding people or they're just using really, really poor means of making those determinations. So the reason why I brought it up is because, yeah, it's a hoax, but it's a hoax that was deliberately meant to de-hoax things. And it's considered like a major event in parapsychology because, you know, now the studying, the means of, of determining the validity of these things is a lot stricter. And so it, it changed things in a, in a really good way. I always picture that having happened in like the 90s. Right. And, and for the so record, just in case it was misunderstood, Banachek, when I say he's a mentalist, um, the whole point of this is is of kind of stage magic. Banachek himself 
was a deliberate plant. So is the other kid um, for, for James Randy. In fact, he's actually the president of the James Randy Educational Foundation. So that, that kid <laughs> with the magic powers, he was a plant. And, and, you know, that's part of the whole shtick, the whole hoax. I wanted to make oh, sure that dang. didn't get misunderstood. No. Another one that I love just because we've talked about this before when we talk about the news. The news loves to get information from people because eh, work is hard. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they love sensational stories because it gets people's attention. But this yeah. means it's kind of easy to pull the wool over their eyes. And, the, I mean, there's been so many moral panics and things like that that we could talk about. We could all have a whole episode about. But my favorite <laughs> is toothing. The kids call it toothing. <laughs> this was, a, this was a, a hoax that tons of news outlets fell for. BBC, Wired, Independent, etc. Tons of news outlets uh, fell for it. Basically, what happened was two fellas, Curran and Byron, they uh, th- they noticed two actual things. And by the way, Steve, Steve bleh, Curran is a- was actually editor for the gaming magazine Edge. So that's he's got sort of a background in entertainment journalism. And Simon Byron, the other guy, he was a journalist. So these are two people who are very familiar with how the media works. So. Here's two things that the media had already talked about in a sensational way, especially in British news, and that's dogging. And dogging is a British slang thing for people basically engaging in sex acts in public. So, mm. you know, people doing stuff at the park, in other words. Why, that's why it's called dogging, because, you know, dogs do that sort of stuff at the park. Mm. And, uh, and another thing called bluejacking. And bluejacking sounds illicit, but it's not. Um, it's actually the fact that you can message people via Bluetooth and, you know, this has gone downhill a lot just because there's better security. But originally, you know, early on, like the early 2000s, 2004 is when this took place, you could sort of just message people via Bluetooth. Like if they had Bluetooth enabled and it could lead to people sending you messages you didn't want to see. Um, so those are two things, dogging, bluejacking. Those are two things. They combine the two and... Told the media, like, oh, my God, have you heard about Toothing? (laughs) And so what Toothing was was basically like random people, you know, sending each other, you know, these these lewd messages and then going off somewhere and hooking up, which is incredibly irresponsible and dangerous. Your kids might be Toothing right now. Oh, my God. So I just love that the media, they got that you know, tip and they ran with it and they did all these sensational stories and it actually took almost a year. It was like 11 months later that they're like, Oh, by the way, this never happened. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that happens a lot. There's a lot of things like that, that that doesn't happen, but this is my absolute favorite. This is a BBC article. Listen to this. (laughs) Okay. One practitioner, John, a toother living near London. (laughs) <laughs> One morning, I received an anonymous text message via Bluetooth, he told BBC News. I didn't understand what had happened, but that evening I did some research and worked out how to send my own. The pair started to exchange messages on a train station platform, messages that got gradually more flirty. Eventually, she asked me if I fancied a quickie in the toilets at the station we were traveling to. It happened, oh my but I never saw her again. 
Since that day, John, who claims to have had two things success five times, has set up a website dedicated to the practice. But he admits it takes a degree of perseverance. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So that's, I just love that. And then the last one I'm going to talk about is is a little briefer. Just what's funny about it to me is that I fell for it. And we talked before about the early days of the internet. And I remember being livid when my friends showed me what these monsters were doing to kittens. They were putting them in jars so that they would be the shape of, of the jar, calling them oh. bonsai kittens. Yeah, Alex, I knew you'd catch on. So, yeah, it's been debunked a bazillion times, obviously. But I fell for it. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, my God, these monsters. And it plays on something that hoaxes often use. Toothing is another example, and that is a knee-jerk reaction. It uses our outrage, our immediate disgust. If somebody told me something really good was happening, um, it would, I, you know, I mean, outlandishly good. Just outland, like they're giving away gold on Main Street, just gold coins. They're giving them to everybody. I would say, no, you're lying. Go leave me alone. But if somebody said, oh, they're throwing, uh, they're throwing, I don't know, human organs at people on Main Street, I'd be like, oh my God, how dare they? And it's, it's, you know, an immediate reaction because we, we, when we feel outrage, we don't really think much beyond that. Uh, And mainly because the blood goes to the parts of our body, the primitive parts of our brain that, that, you know, have an angry or a fearful response. So you, Mm. you, you frighten or you enrage people, they stop being rational just inherently. And sure enough, like Michigan Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals uh, is actually still butthurt about it because because they they fell for it. And now their argument is, well, okay, so it turns out that's not the case. It's actually kind of impossible to do that, but it still incentivizes violence towards animals. Not really. So, um, yeah, Bonsai Kitten was actually featured as a cruel site of the day at cruel.com in 2000, the day before Halloween, by the way, in 2000. And uh, they actually got so many complaints about it that they removed the links to it. But it's it's just kind of comical because if you use common sense for five seconds, you'd realize who would benefit from this. Like even if somebody was really cruel and wanted to harm animals, that's a lot of work. Because one, yeah. animals don't grow in the shape of containers. And two, <laughs> an animal's going to naturally try to escape from a container like that and is going to be capable of it. And three, think of just the cleanup because it's going to be, you know, using the restroom in this little jar all the time. It would be a nightmare for the owner, even if they were an absolute sadist. So um, what inspired it, funny enough, was the fact that you can, you know, uh, you've all seen the Japanese watermelons that are grown in little jars that make them square. They saw that and they were just like, hmm, let's uh, let's tell let's people they do that kittens. to kittens. Yeah. So I just Dang. thought that was a really interesting hoax for a couple of reasons. The biggest being that when I first heard about it, I 100% swallowed that hook, line, and sinker. James wow. fell for it. Yeah. Jay. What a I can't. B- I got him. How old were you? Oh, I don't even know. You were a youngin'? I was. I was. I was less intelligent than I am now, but I could still imagine me falling for it today if I'd never heard of it. They're doing what? Okay, all right. Because <laughs> again, outrage. Outrage is a great way. Out fear and outrage. That's really the heart of a hoax. A good hoax. Because if people yeah, are afraid it, or they're outraged, they don't think after that. They appeal to your emotions. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, ooh, 
All right. I'm going next, Alex. Okay. Okay, let me pull up my notes. Beep, boop, boop. Okay. All right, you guys. Today, got most of my information. I got all my information, actually, from theparisreview.org. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right, chumpies. Chumpies. Yeah. I actually had I had a lot of trouble narrowing down which hoaxes I want to talk about. I'm going to talk about two. Well, one mostly and then a sub one. But there are a ton of interesting hoaxes that have happened over the years that kind of made me go, huh, I'm surprised that anyone ever fell for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I am going to be talking about the one that struck my interest the most, and that is Mary Toff's bunnies. James, do you know the story of Mary Toff's bunnies? I don't, but it sounds adorable on its own. It sounds like a kid's story. Oh, you just white. It, does, <laughs> it sounds adorable, but it's, mm-hmm. it's anything but. <laughs> yeah, and I think that this fascinated me so much because it happened, like this is a very early case of a hoax. It happened right when tabloid journalism and gossip we're becoming like a really big thing. Mm. So it's very early incident of just ridiculous, sensational quote unquote news that just had England captivated you guys. Mm. I ended up doing a deep dive on British news and publications and they really became a thing in the early 17th century. So everyone who was anyone was reading the newspaper regularly. And I know that we see all these pictures of people just like sitting on trains, staring at their phones, right? Mm -hmm. But back in the day, it was people sitting on the trains or in the trolleys or, you know, everywhere just staring at their newspaper. That's a good point. Interesting. Bunch of idiots reading. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. One of those stories that had people transfixed was the story of Mary Toft and her bunnies. So let me introduce you guys to Mary Toft. And she lived in a quaint little village called Goldalming. I think it's a, a Godalming. I can't, I don't know how to say it. But it was this little stagecoach hub where passerbys would like be going through to get to London. Hmm. And they would stop to just like let their horses rest, I guess. Hmm. But Mary was mother to three little chitlins. And she was pregnant with her fourth And her family was not very rich. They were not well-to-do. Her husband made clothes for a living, but apparently he wasn't very good at it because he didn't ever make any money. Mm -hmm. And uh, as the story goes, Mary, the hard worker that she was, was out in this field one day weeding, and then she spotted a cute little cuddly little rabbit hopping around, and she thought to herself, I'm going to eat that. It's free food, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it's It's free food. So she tried to catch it, but it got away. And then after that, Mary claimed that she just became obsessed with the idea of rabbit meat. So I guess it was a pregnancy craving, but all she wanted to do was eat rabbit. She dreamt of rabbit stews and the rabbit legs covered in sauce. She she wanted to eat it, but unfortunately, as I mentioned earlier, they were very poor. She had no money, so there was no way for her to really get any rabbit meat to eat. And so let's jump ahead a couple months. Mary, who's still at the time pregnant with baby number four, she goes into premature labor, you guys. It's travesty, her midwife, some dude named John Howard. He's freaking out because she starts giving birth to these odd bits of meat, like a pig's bladder and a a cat's paw. And it's just really bizarre. And then the bunnies start coming. Whoa. She's giving birth to rabbits. (laughs) And... Some of them are crushed into various bunny parts, 
but they're bunnies nonetheless, and it's one right after the other. John Howard is taking these little bunnies, all of them dead, because remember, some of them are like pieces of rabbit, but he takes them, he's putting them in these little jars and pickling them, because that's what scientists did back in the day. Sure. And word very... <laughs> word spread very quickly around town. Mary Toft is giving birth to freaking rabbits and everyone starts freaking out. And the news makes its way to King George the first. And he's just in disbelief. He's like, there is no way that this woman is giving birth to rabbits. So he sends his right hand man. Uh, it's this court an, uh, anatomist. Is that how you say it? Yeah. His name yeah. is Nathaniel St. Andre. To investigate. He's like, go and check on these rabbits. And I absolutely love the way that the Paris Review.org described him of (laughs) St. Andre. They wrote of him, quote, St. Andre, an opportunistic dilettante with a taste for ornately embroidered shirts, had a checkered past. (laughs) And I cannot relate with the checkered past part, but I love me a good embroidered shirt. Mm. I do. By the way, George the First was from Hanover, Germany. It's so weird that like the that entire lineage of kings were from Germany. So Well Saint Andre was yeah. from Switzerland. Yeah. Well I just so. think it's funny that the King of England, like it was literally a case of him saying, you know, probably in German, go check on the rabbit lady. You know. Yeah, that's the <laughs> go check on the rabbit lady. That's what he did. He sent Saint Andre and by the way, Saint Andre was not really a doctor. Uh, but he was very, very charming, as most people who work their way up to the court are. He actually had a background working as a servant, a language arts teacher, a dancer, and a fencing instructor. Wow. And then one day, one of his little fencing students got him real good with the little lance beep, beep, and cut him real good. And so he was like, oh, great. I got to go to the doctor and get my wound fixed. So he went to the doctor's office and he was just like, this doctor's so rich. I want to be a doctor now. Oh, my so God. He took, yeah, he took wow. an apprenticeship, a little short apprenticeship, and then he, I guess, graduated from that. And he's like, I've just opened my practice. And he was so charming that he eventually became, you know, the court-appointed anatomist for King George. Wow. wow. Yeah. So, anyways, he gets sent to go check on the bizarre bunny birth. So, he does. And holy cow, you guys, when he gets there, Mary is giving birth to her 15th rabbit. Whoa. Yeah, before each birth, apparently St. Andre said that Mary's belly would pulsate and quiver, which is so nice. Yeah, kind of like a bunny's inside there hopping around, you know? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And he also noted that in between the births, Mary was very calm and in good spirits. Like, she would laugh with the doctor and uh, with, with them, which is kind of odd, but... Anyways, the uh, she would go crazy when the bunny was actually being, quote unquote, expelled from her lady parts. And she would scream, carry on. St. Andre was thinking to himself, this is amazing. This is going to make me so famous. Oh, my God. And so, yeah, John Howard gave him a few of the little pickle bunny bits, sent him <laughs> off to show the king. And St. Andre then wrote up about the incident. You know, this is what happens, what he wrote. And then... Next thing you know, everyone's talking about Mary Toft and her bunny children. The real question is, how did she not die from a UTI? This is insane. It's, well, uh, James, James, I'll explain it in a second. Okay, okay. But, yeah, Andre was like, listen, Mary, you're amazing. You just gave birth to bunnies. We need to send you to London so that you can be studied and we can figure out 
what caused this to happen. And you know what? For all of your time, we're going to give you a royal pension. Oh, my God. Sweet. So. Where'd it go, Mary? Yeah. Go get her. Yeah. Even though St. Andre was convinced of Mary's story, many other names within the scientific community were obviously not. And then it comes out that a, a porter that made a visit to Mary Toff's house shortly before her miraculous bunny birth, he made a big confession, you guys. He said that Miss Mary Toft had attempted to bribe him to smuggle rabbit pieces and rabbits into her home. So one of St. Andre's colleagues who did not believe the story in the least mm-hmm. questions talked about it. She denies it. She's like, I did not try to bribe anybody to bring rabbit bits into my house. That's absurd. <laughs> and then he was like, Mary, the only way we can figure out and get to the bottom of this is some exploratory surgery. Hmm. And then she's like, hold up, hold up, <laughs> hold up. Yeah. She started crying. She broke down. She confessed and said that all of it was made up. And not surprisingly, the newspapers and tabloids went wild because they had this poor woman that they could basically parade around as a fool. And in some cases, a quote unquote, amoral slut is what they called her. So they were not forgiving for this. Yeah. And Mary did write out a confession apology. And uh, unfortunately, it was hardly seen by anyone because the absurdity of the story kind of outshined her, her apology. They were like, oh, we don't want her to apologize for it. And in her apology, she apparently blamed her husband, her mother-in-law, and the, quote, wife of a local organ grinder of forcing <laughs> her to do this. But Mary ended up serving time for the stunt. I cannot remember how long, but people from the public could actually pay money to go into the prison and taunt her in person. Mm-hmm. So she she ended up, you know, not having that that great of a time after all of this came to light that she was totally faking it. But she did go on to actually give birth to a human baby, her actual daughter. And not long after that, the press moved on to other absurd stories and gossip. And then Mary just kind of disappeared from the limelight. Still, still, she should have got a UTI from that. That's insane. Well, yeah, apparently what they did was they would just hide. I guess that her doctor was in on it, too. Uh, obviously, if he's pulling the bunnies out of her, he's got to know. Oh, so it's it's literally pulling rabbits out of a hat, but a just more macabre and, and gynecological <laughs> yes. version. Yes, exactly. There was nothing actually inside Gotcha. Mary okay, that makes just... more sense. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> I know. Isn't it gross? But... Yeah. This what this story it's sad because it's like she's really just doing this to support her children. She can't feed her children and so she's doing anything that she can to put food on the table and that was her idea of how to get out of it. But the thing that makes it makes me think of the balloon boy story from 2009 because oh those God. people were just in it to get a reality show. So yeah. Oh my god, they yeah. were the worst. Like they were, man, they were a mess. Yeah, I feel sorry for Mary Toft because it's like I see why she was doing this. Mm. She wasn't doing it because she wanted to be known as the woman who gave birth to rabbits. Yeah, she needed to support her family. But they, you know, back in the day, people would take advantage of like their misfortunes. Like if they had a mm. a, a kid that looked weird, they would charge people to come and look at their oh, weird yeah. looking kid. Yeah. So. 
she was just trying to get in on that. But I do want to kind of compare this to a story that came out in 2017. Do you guys remember the Hurricane Harvey shark? No. no. You don't remember the Hurricane Harvey shark? No. Oh, maybe you guys just weren't looking for it. But uh, there was this story that made the rounds on social media. Someone posted a picture of what appeared to be a shark swimming down oh, the freeway in I do. Houston. I do remember yeah. this. Yes. Yeah, the photo very quickly came out as a fake, and it had actually been spread multiple times during Hurricane Irene and Hurricane Sandy as well. Mm. So it's not the first time that this had kind of made news. But Makes sense. Um, I feel so bad for a shark. He, I imagine how confused he must be. <laughs> you know, If it were real, if it were real, that should be on a highway. Yeah, I don't know where I'm at. But a Fox News host saw the picture online and ended up talking about it on a show as though it were real. And then everybody started talking about it, came to light, wait, this is fake news. But I just, it it kind of astounds me how the news cycle and the way that hoaxes are perpetuated has changed over time. Because it used to just be Mm. in the newspaper, word of mouth, hey, I heard this, go send the court anatomist to go check it out. Oh, he says it's real. But now with Photoshop, you can basically make any story you want. And all it takes is one person posting it and then one other person sharing it and that spreads like wildfire. So it's a it's a dangerous time to kind of be looking at news because I'm more skeptical of news now than ever. Yeah, me too. But I don't I don't believe anything anymore. I don't even believe like actual footage. Oprah's not real. (laughs) I I made that one up. That's a joke. (laughs) One thing that really bothers me is just like especially on Facebook. I used to know so many people on Facebook who would share these fake stories. And even when you'd say, this is not real, this is fake, they would just say, oops, my bad, and then not delete it. (laughs) The the one that gets me, everybody knows I know spiders, so I get inundated by all these people who are like, oh my God, is this real? This this purple spider that that's uh, you know been introduced to Kentucky that'll that'll melt you if it bites you. It's like no, that's a that's literally a prop from the movie Alien that's been photoshopped to be blue. Like <laughs> it's amazing. Wow. Oh, well, James is always out there debunking everything. Debunking spider stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Alex, what are you talking about? I'm talking about. The Cardiff Giant. Ooh. Thank you to History.com for your, all your sourcing. <laughs> um, all right. So, at the Cardiff Giant. It's a pretty interesting hoax because, well, I actually don't think it's quite as successful in what it was intended to do. But it was still a decent enough ho- hoax, I think. So, George Hull. <laughs> Hull. Hull? Hull. Hull. How do you say H-U-L-L? How do you say it? Hull. 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 George Hull was inspired to create this hoax because of a conversation he had with a preacher who had interpreted the Bible to be completely literal in every sure. way. Oh, okay. So now Hull. In those days there were giants. There yeah. Were giants. And now Hull, he's, he's a big atheist. And the idea of making a pretty penny on uh, some unsuspecting literalists, literalist Christians didn't seem like such a bad idea to him. Plus in his mind, the idea of becoming a success would be a pretty big blow against religion, at least in his mind. Gosh, how rude. Yeah. So his idea was to have a petrified man. And this is, he 
brought this from the line uh, from the book of Genesis. It says there were giants in the earth in those days. I think that's what you just said, James. (laughs) (laughs) And so he took that line and the whole ran with it. So he went and spent 3000 bucks on creating this fake giant. That's a lot of money for that time. Yeah. And this is in 1896. So he buys this $3,000 slab of gypsum. That's and like probably twenty grand. Yeah, well, well, it's not three. Sorry, that slab isn't three thousand dollars. But he does buy a five ton. Oh, oh, Louise is scratching, she's, and she's making eye contact with me while she does it. So it's she like has a, a candy corn collar on right now, and it looks stunning. Wait a minute! Don't you dare get off okay. this couch. Um, so he goes and buys this five ton block of gypsum from uh, in Iowa. And when he bought it, he told the people there that he was buying it so he, he could sculpt a statue of Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> so, nice and noble thing. He then took the slab from Iowa to Chicago, where he had hired a pair of sculptors to create this giant. And the funny thing, though, is that he actually used himself as the model. Uh, <laughs> so, they sculpted this thing based on himself. And one of the funny details that I thought that was included in the statue was this mysterious half smile. Like a Mona Lisa? (laughs) Yeah, like like he had to have his little smirk etched into a rock. I'm looking at it right now. I think he's smirking because he's packing. Dang. (laughs) Then, then, yeah, he may may have exaggerated. Um, Then they dumped uh, sulfuric acid, (laughs) acid all over the sculpture in order to give it this much more eroded look. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hole even went so far as to drive pins into its body, giving it the, the appearance of having pores. Mm-hmm. So when it was all done, this thing was pretty detailed. It was about 10 feet tall. And like I said earlier, it weighed just shy of 3,000 pounds. Tons. Yeah. Wow. Um, so now... How do you come across something this massive without being like, hey, Ma, look what I found in my basement. <laughs> uh, well, Hull actually had a pretty great idea. He wanted to bury it, unsurprisingly, because of the line from Genesis. And he took it to a relative. Uh, and there was a farmer named William Stubb Newell. Most likely named that way because of how frequently he stubbed his toe. Um, Hull... <laughs> That may have uh, been added on. Um, Hull took his giant statue to the farmer's place, uh, cut him in on on a piece of the action, and they buried the statue. Now, the idea was to wait about a year before uh, coming across the giant by chance. Now, Hull wrote a letter to Stubb saying, hey, do the thing. And Stubb hired a few laborers to dig a hole in a specific area of the farm by chance. And when they did, they started digging, and they see a foot, and they slowly realize that they have found a giant underneath (laughs) the earth. (laughs) Now, they apparently said, and this is a quote, I declare some old Indian has been buried here. (laughs) (laughs) This this whole thing is is literally a Simpsons episode. This is like Lisa the Skeptic. (laughs) Oh, really? Remember? I haven't seen it in a long time. I need to watch some more Simpsons. As you would expect, the news spread pretty fast in the area about this giant that had been dug 
up uh, from underground at a farm. Women brought their children to the area so they could see the unearthing and just catch a peek at the statue. And, of course, they had to pay a little bit to see it. Now, this was located uh, in Cardiff, which is up by Syracuse, up in New York. And the location itself is actually uh, pretty well known for how expansive it has these fossil deposits. And a lot of people attribute it to this nearby swamp that has led to the creation of all this. Now, it was kind of, and it was kind of believable that maybe a man could be petrified in that area because it it had the recipe for it, maybe. The right conditions. Yeah. So early examiners of this giant, they said, yeah, this thing's old. But pretty quick, a science lecturer from Syracuse declared that the giant wasn't a dude. And it was probably carved by French Jesuits centuries ago. Mm. <laughs> so he's more onto the right path. He's just a few centuries off. <laughs> now, the genius thing here is that Stub Newell played everything perfectly. This is the farmer. And he acted humble. And after they dug it up, he told everyone he, like, you know, he, that he just wanted to just rebury it and put it back where it belonged. And of course, he, he allowed his neighbors to convince him that the discovery might have some value. <laughs> that was awful nice of Stubb to listen to his neighbors. Mm. Now, as expected, the statue became quite the hit in the area. Newspapers called it the New Wonder. Uh, these are newspapers in the area. I don't think this was an, like a countrywide thing, as far as I can tell. Now, during the first week, about 2,500 people came to see it. Each of them paid about 50 cents. Uh, and then Newell refused to sell to it. He refused to sell the statue to anyone. And then eventually Hull arrived onto the site. And then a businessman showed up and he bought this. He bought a three quarter stake of the statue for $30,000. Was Whoa. it, was it Hull or somebody else? No, someone else. Hull, oh this, my is gosh. Hull's deal. this is Hull. And That's Newell's like 600 deal. grand. Yeah. So they, 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 dropped, they dropped a fat stack on this bad boy. And they didn't even buy the whole thing. Just three quarters of it. So people continued to flock here for a few more weeks. But as the time went on, not much time. But people became more and more skeptical. The statue theory was kind of taking root. Maybe some of these French Jesuits did it. Um, but the skeptics were really beginning to pour in. And they remembered a giant something being imported into the town. <laughs> this giant thing was on a truck, actually, like about a year ago. <laughs> and no one, no one was able to explain it. And then, well, they kind of looked into the farmer's accounts, and they noticed that a certain someone dropped in, dropped some money to them uh, just a few months back as well. Hmm. And this mining engineer noted that this actually, this type of stone gypsum, uh, would have actually deteriorated pretty quickly in this type of soil. And some <laughs> yeah. people are like, oh, well, maybe. Eventually, <laughs> a Yale professor showed up, glanced at the item, is how they described it, glanced at it, and said, yeah, that's new. It's a fake. <laughs> that wasn't a direct <laughs> quote, but that was a, mod a modernizing of it. Um, now, P.T. Barnum even showed up. Wow, yeah. the big guy. Yeah, and he offered to buy the item. When they didn't let him buy it or they probably drove the price up or whatever he did something else he hired people to make a copy <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then he went on to make way more money than Hull 
with this thing. Sounds about right. And he just sold it on being this mysterious object of unknown origin. Could it be a lost race? Could it be this, that, that? And he made a ton of money on it. And eventually, I think about 12 more frauds were copied by other people. And the people that actually carved the giant revealed themselves about four months after. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, they had people actually make this. Why won't those people be like, uh, we were hired to make that? Just looking at it. That's what makes me mad. It's so obvious. Like, it's not a person. There's no way. Yeah. (laughs) It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And, I mean, the charade only went on for about four months it really wasn't that long but by february is when everything fell apart because of the 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 sculptors came forward and just told everybody about everything and so by 1880 which is about 10 years after this thing was revealed it's just sitting in a barn okay and as for hole well he cleared about twenty thousand dollars after all of that that's a lot of money and we'll later continue yeah and so he would later continue his new career by creating a seven-foot-tall statue with a tail and burying it in Colorado. Hey, we gave a shout-out to Colorado today. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> no one fell for this one. Apparently, he went on to die in obscurity in 1902. But hmm. apparently, if it's uh, if we're let if we believe what rumors say, is that he still he was still proud of the Cardiff Giant and for quote for fooling the world. I don't think he fooled people quite as hard as he thought he did, but he did make a pretty penny off of it in the hype. his life accomplishment. I don't think he struck the blow against religion that he was hoping for. No, I wouldn't think so. (laughs) Good gravy. Well, yeah, cool. Lots of interesting hoaxes, you guys. And the thing that makes me go, huh, is that there are so many others we could talk about. There's so many. Oh, Yeah. yeah. Wow. Are you guys ready to... Draw from the vase. Let's do it. Alex. Good. I forgot the vase. Will you go and grab it? Something, something, something. Giving birth to rabbits. <sighs> All right. Tell me when to start searching this bad boy. You can start to spin it around. I'm getting one from the bottom. All right, you guys. Who's been neglected? What are we talking about? We are talking about the most famous science experiments. And this person, whoever submitted this did not want us to put their name on here. There's no name on here, but anonymous. the most famous science experiments. Okay. There are lots of famous science experiments. Yeah. I'm just going to talk about um, the kite and the key. The kite and Alex's (laughs) favorite. That's Alex's Mm. favorite. Yeah, it's the best one. Because <laughs> uh, it's probably the first one I learned about. One of our Patreon subscribers, dear Caitlin, will be very happy to hear you talk about that. Oh yeah, she's got a thing for that guy. Did you hear that, everybody? That was a little more tea coming my way. Alex poured some yeah. tea. <laughs> so, oh here, oh, hang on. Like I complete the experience. Ew. <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, is there anything you want to add or? I think that's it for me. All I got to say is that our music is by Grant Cook. You can find it on Amazon Music, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you listen to music. So until next week, you guys, we hope that you can keep keep it straight. straight.
There's, there, there's going to be a code you hold up and then down, and then all the characters are naked. Mm-hmm.